Good morning, Peninsula Bible Church of Cupertino. My name is Gay Bing, and I'm happy to be here with you this morning. To begin our time of worship, let's set our hearts and open our minds to the Lord Jesus Christ. To help us do this, we have a call to worship, and it's from various verses of Isaiah 43. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for meeting us here this morning. And by your grace and your spirit is here, moving in this place and stirring our hearts. It's so great to be able to worship you together as a church. You deserve our praise. We pray right now for those of us who are feeling overwhelmed or struggling with all that life in this world has thrown our way. Lord, meet us and remind us how big and powerful you are and how much you love us. And also for those of us who have been doing well, full of life and energy, we thank you for blessing us and pray that you give us opportunities to lift others up. We pray for this morning with all of us here together that community and connections will be built, that we can support each other through this journey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And for our scripture reading today, I will be reading from the story of the Pentecost, from the storybook Bible. This is the Bible which our kids receive when they are dedicated to our church. Suddenly, a strong wind filled the little room, whistling through the walls, rustling the straw on the floor. And there, on everyone's heads, shining in the gloom, were flickering flames, fire that didn't hurt or burn, and something more inside in their hearts. They felt a strange heat, almost as if all the coldness and hardness were melting away, as if their broken hearts were mending, and God was giving them brand new hearts, hearts that could work properly. How it happened, they didn't know, but they knew God's power had struck their hearts ablaze, and Jesus himself was coming to live inside them. They had seen Jesus go away, but now he was closer than he had ever been inside their hearts. And this time, nothing could ever separate them. Jesus would always be there with them, loving them, whispering the promise that would get rid of the poison and the terrible lie and the sickness in their hearts. God's wonderful promise to them, you are my child and I love you. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. Jesus had said, could it be? Heaven was coming into their hearts. They threw open the shutters. Sunlight flooded their room as love had flooded their hearts. And the little room was filled with happy noises, dancing feet, singing, laughing. They unlocked the door and er surged out into the streets, 
as if they had never been afraid. All right. Well, thank you, Gabe. Good morning. It's a, a beautiful day, huh? We got rain. Yes. So good. Thank you, Lord. Right? Well, this morning, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. We've been friends for a long time now, a few decades. I, t- I try to make time for my friend every day, um, throughout the day. And when I do, my friend provides strength and joy and peace and wisdom and comfort for me. The really great thing about this friend is he will never leave me nor forsake me. I'm, of course, talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He is our friend along the Jesus way. So let's pray. Well, good Father, by your word and by your spirit, illuminate our minds, rekindle our hearts, strengthen our wills this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we enter back into the Gospel of John this morning. We are on the night before Jesus goes to the cross. So this is Thursday night of Holy Week. And Jesus has gathered his first followers together in Jerusalem, somewhere in downtown Jerusalem. Um, And he's going to have a uh, Passover meal with them. But during the meal, he redefined everything. He redefined everything around himself. He instituted the Lord's Supper. And after the meal, he washed his disciples' feet. After that, Jesus told his disciples what was initially devastating news. He said he was going away. He had come from the Father and now was going back to the Father. Last week, we said this refers to his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And for the rest of the evening, Jesus went on to teach and prepare his followers and us to live in the absence of his physical presence. Not in his absence, as we will see, but in the absence of his physical presence. And he began with a command. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. As he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. And I'm sure the disciples were like, what, Jesus? How can it be to our advantage that you go away? I have a good friend of mine who serves as a little bit of a spiritual director to me, and how would I respond if one day he would call me and say, oh, by the way, I'm moving to Texas. Oh, and it's to your advantage that I move to Texas. (laughs) I would say, no way, that's not good for me. (laughs) You moving away is not good for me. 
So how can it possibly be advantageous for the disciples and us if Jesus goes away? Because, as Jesus will say later in the discourse, if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit to you to be your friend along my way. The Spirit is sent at Pentecost, what we just read from the children's storybook Bible. Today, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit. So I invite you into our text this morning, beginning in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you to orphan, as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. That's the word of Jesus. Well, did you hear how many times love is said in those verses? I think it's eight times in those verses alone. Love is the main theme of the Upper Room Discourse. And we'll get to that in, in a moment. Jesus said, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Even though I'm going away, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you alone. I'll give you a friend. A friend to be with you forever. So who is this friend? Well, from these verses alone, we can make five important observations about this friend. Name, personhood, another, with you forever, and in. So we're going to walk through those five observations now. First of all, name. What is the name of this friend? Well, he is the Holy Spirit. Jesus will call him the Holy Spirit in just a few verses. But in these verses, Jesus calls him the helper and the spirit of truth. Now, you may know that the Greek word behind helper here is parakletos or paraclete, not parakeet. <laughs> My friend Daryl Johnson likes to tell the story that a hard of hearing member of his church came up after he preached this text and said, Pastor, I'm so confused. I thought the Holy Spirit was a dove, but you kept calling him a parakeet. 
Not parakeet, paraclete. It's to our advantage that Jesus goes away because when he does, he will send the paraclete. Now this word paraclete is notoriously hard to define. And that can be seen throughout all the English translations. The King James translates it as comforter. The NIV and NLT translate it as advocate. The NASB and ESV as helper. The Holman Bible as counselor. The message renders it as friend. The J.B. Phillips paraphrase from the 1960s um, renders it as someone to stand by you. Now, even though that's a phrase, that's a pretty good translation. Someone to stand by you. Para means alongside. Kletos means to call. The paraclete is one called in alongside. Along the Jesus way, we don't need to be afraid. Why? Because Jesus will call a friend alongside of us along the way. The blessed paraclete. So how are we to think about the paraclete? Answer, the paraclete is a person. As we read how Jesus describes the paraclete, we realize he does not describe him as an it. Throughout this upper room discourse, the paraclete is described using personal pronouns. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is not an impersonal force or influence. Like the force in Star Wars, that's not the Holy Spirit. We do not speak of the paraclete as an it. The paraclete is a person. The Holy Spirit is personal. Now this is critical because if we think of the paraclete as an it, we are tempted to manipulate it. We would think we could control it. And as we walk along, the Jesus way, this great adventure of discipleship, we're not in control of the journey. We give up control to the purposes and plans of the paraclete. Now the personalness of the paraclete becomes evident as we read the rest of the New Testament. For we find the Holy Spirit can speak, think, forbid, help, search hearts, teach, lead, predict, intercede, groan, and can even be grieved. Only a person can do those things. So the Holy Spirit is a person, like Jesus and the Father, a community of persons, the Holy Trinity. But, in verse 16, Jesus says he will send another paraclete to be with us forever. Another paraclete. What does Jesus mean by another? Who was the first paraclete? Well, the word Jesus uses here for another is alon. There are two words in the Greek language for another, alon and heteron. 
Heteron means another of a different kind. It comes into the English language in words like heterogeneous or heterosexual, another of a different kind. Alon means another of the same kind. Jesus uses Alon here, another of the same kind. Jesus will send an Alon paracleton to be with us forever, another paraclete of the same kind. So who was the first paraclete? Answer, Jesus. Jesus. John actually tells us that in his first letter, 1 John 2, 1. He calls Jesus a paraclete. This is why Jesus can say in verse 17, if you have the text up in front of you, you know him. And I bet the disciples look around at each other saying, we do? We know him? Yes, you do. Because the Spirit is another of the same kind, stamped with the very personality of Jesus. Now, why is this so important? Well, it's because it means the person and work of the Spirit cannot be separated from the person and work of Jesus. Having the Spirit with us is just like having Jesus with us along the way. The presence of the Holy Spirit is just like the presence of Jesus. And again, this becomes evident as you read through the New Testament. The Spirit is said to do the same tasks as Jesus did when he was physically on on the earth. Not only that, but throughout the rest of the New Testament, we find that to be in the Spirit is to be in Jesus. To be indwelt by the Spirit is to be indwelt by Jesus. To receive the Spirit is to receive Jesus. The phrases are used interchangeably. So even though they are separate persons, they cannot be separated in experience. Because the Spirit is another paraclete of the same kind. Jesus will not leave us as orphans. He will come to us in the another. But there's more. Jesus also says we cannot separate the person and work of the Spirit from the person and work of the Father. Throughout the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus draws a distinction between the three persons of the Trinity, but he also implies some kind of oneness. So, in verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Did you hear those pronouns? We will come to them, and we will make our home with them. The person and work of the Spirit cannot be separated from the person and work of Jesus and cannot be separated from the person and work of the Father. To be on the Jesus way is to have the presence of the Trinity with us. But it gets even better 
Verse 16. Jesus will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you, plural, forever. The plural you in these verses speak to the Spirit's presence to all disciples along the Jesus way. Now up until this point, the presence of Jesus has been restricted by space and time. If Jesus was in Galilee and the disciples were in Jerusalem, Jesus couldn't be with them. But with the coming of the another, the presence of Jesus is no longer restricted in those same ways. As John Stott says, the Holy Spirit universalizes the presence of Jesus and makes the presence of Jesus real to all of us. To all of us. Ultimately, this means that we don't need to go to some sacred shrine in Jerusalem or anywhere else to find Jesus. He meets us everywhere we go. We don't need to wait till he's going to come to Cupertino. You know, on Thursday, he's coming to Cupertino, so we got to wait in Cupertino till Thursday. We don't have to do that anymore. He comes to Cupertino every day and stays forever. In Matthew 28, when Jesus says, I am with you always in the Great Commission, he means he is with us always in the person of the another. In the presence of the another, the God with us, triune God, is realized and universalized. There is nowhere you can go where the Spirit is not. And therefore, where Jesus is not. We don't have to be afraid because we're never alone. We're never alone. The paraclete is present with us forever and he will never leave us. Now as good as that is, it gets even better. <laughs> In verse 17, Jesus says this friend, the Holy Spirit will dwell not only with us, but in us forever. Inside us you realize you can't, you can't get closer than in, right? Just so you hear this, can you say in with me? In. Again. In. Again. In. <laughs> you can't get closer than in. This is so amazing. It is to our advantage that Jesus goes away because the relationship with the paraclete is even closer than when Jesus was in the flesh. He will dwell in you, Jesus says. If you belong to Jesus, then another person lives inside you. So Paul will say unto the Corinthians, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? In you. We are inhabited people and dwelt by another. I remember a friend of mine telling a story about her daughter when she was in kindergarten. 
and she went to school and she told a friend at school that Jesus was living in her heart. And the friend asked her, does it hurt to have a person in your heart? (laughs) The paraclete. The third person of the Trinity is not only with us, he is in us. So five, I think, really important observations about our friend, the blessed paraclete, that help us think rightly about him. Name, personhood, another, with you forever and in. What a friend. What a friend. So what is he doing (laughs) inside us? What is he doing? We'll talk more about this next week, but in this discourse, Jesus gives two primary character descriptions for him. Holy and true. As in the Holy Spirit and the spirit of truth. These two descriptions are helpful in understanding what the paraclete is doing as he indwells us. Holy. The Holy Spirit. This speaks to the paraclete making us holy. The Holy Spirit holifies us. Now, sometimes I think this word holy scares us because we think perfectionism or flawlessness. But we don't need to be afraid of this word. word. It does mean to be set apart, to be sanctified, to be made pure. Yes, the Holy Spirit indwelling us does make us pure and clean. Over time, he purifies us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit is fulfilling God's command to us. You shall be holy as the Lord your God is holy. But maybe it's more helpful to think of this word holy as making us whole. W-H-O-L-E. Making us whole. To be made holy is to be made whole. To be made complete. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty back together again. Well, I have good news for Humpty Dumpty today. And every one of us that feels broken like Humpty Dumpty. I have good news for all of us who see and feel our brokenness and want to be fixed. There is a king. There is a king who can put us back together again. King Jesus can put us back together again. And the way he puts us back together again is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit working with us and in us. The rest of the New Testament emphasizes that when the Holy Spirit enters our lives, he goes to work, making us like the most whole person who ever lived, Jesus himself. 
And the primary way he does this is by teaching us how to love. By teaching us how to love. We become whole by learning how to love. Learning how to love is the most important lesson in life. In fact, this is why you're here. To learn how to love. To move from self-centeredness to others-centeredness. To seek the good of the other. And as the Holy Spirit works in us, he enables us to love Jesus, to keep his commandments, and to love others just as he loves us. As the Holy Spirit works in us, he enables us to love Jesus and keep his commandments to serve others as people of the Tao. And as we do this, we become more and more whole, looking more and more like King Jesus. But the paraclete is also called the spirit of truth. Jesus calls the paraclete the spirit of truth three times in this discourse, and then he says, for he will guide you into all truth. The paraclete dwells with us and in us, guiding us into all truth. The paraclete teaches us about ourselves, our world, our relationships, our circumstances, and about the nature and character of the one true God. Not all at once, of course, but day by day, week by week, year by year, the paraclete teaches us and guides us into all truth. He comes to us and slowly unfolds the truth to us and we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. That's from chapter eight. The Holy Spirit lives in us to fulfill that promise. This is such good news. Because it means we are not left to ourselves to figure out the truth. And in our time of great confusion and great uncertainty with all kinds of truth claims around us, the Holy Spirit promises to lead us through all that confusion. How often has something happened at work or at home which didn't seem to feel right? that was troubling for you, something that didn't quite sit right with you, and you stayed awake at night trying to put your finger on what, 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 was, what, was, what was happening there, but you couldn't quite figure it out, so you kept wrestling and wrestling and wrestling with it, and you kept wondering why you were so unsettled. Well, the spirit of truth was there helping you make sense of what had happened. Or think about our own hearts. How often do we feel like something's off in our, in our heart? Something is troubling within our hearts. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The paraclete can. 
The paraclete can understand our heart. He knows all the nooks and crannies of the human heart, and he sees clearly the games we tend to play. The games where we justify our actions, excuse our misdeeds. He knows us, and he knows our hearts. And if we yield to his leading, he'll lead us to freedom. We will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. That's a promise. Because who's the truth? Jesus. And the paraclete loves Jesus. The paraclete's always pointing toward Jesus. I like how J.I. Packer describes the paraclete. He describes the paraclete as a spotlight. Paraclete's always spotlighting Jesus. It's like I'm being spotlighted right now. Do you see the spotlights? No. See, the paraclete's sometimes called the shy member of the Trinity. Not because he's shy, but because he's always spotlighting Jesus. He's always pointing to Jesus away from himself. You never hear the Spirit talking about himself because he's always talking about Jesus, pointing us to Jesus in the hopes that we will come to love him as he does. See, the paraclete's great passion is that we know and love Jesus, that we would be wonderfully preoccupied with Jesus just like he is. And so much so that we would see Jesus in all we do, in every moment. That's the paraclete's great passion. That we would see everything we do in light of Jesus, the truth. That we would watch TV and movies in light of Jesus. That we would surf the internet in light of Jesus. That we would participate in politics in light of Jesus. That we would engage with our neighbors and community in light of Jesus. That we would take part in the life of the city in light of Jesus. That we would understand ourselves and our hearts in light of Jesus, who is the truth. This is what the paraclete is doing inside of us. Shining a spotlight on Jesus so we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. Free from things and free to love. Yes, a teacher has taken up residence inside of us to lead and guide us into all truth. As one writer says, living inside us is the world's greatest theologian. And he will teach us everything concerning Jesus. So Jesus says, don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go, I will send a friend to be with you. 
And this friend is just like me. And this friend will be present with you and in you forever. And slowly but surely, this friend will put you back together again. Making you whole. Looking just like me. And this friend will lead and guide you into all the truth. Amen. 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 Now receive this benediction. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Jesus is with you always and in you always through the blessed paraclete. And he will make you whole and will lead you into all truth. That's a promise. So don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Go in peace. Amen.